Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. And we are so glad you've joined us. And I hope you join us every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at richarddugan.com. As we stream live, we also provide podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and a whole bunch of other locations. And I thank those who have been adding us to other, uh, they're reposting our interviews as well to other locations. Thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate the expansion. And uh, hey, if you want to do that, great. Uh, if, if what we're talking about on this program resonates with you and you like what we're doing, you like more specifically what our guests are doing then please not only go to their websites, but certainly repost the, uh, the interviews uh, on, on whatever other modality you might or platform you might use. And if you do like what we're doing and you'd like to support the work we're doing financially, we would greatly appreciate that. PayPal and Patreon provide security for you and me. And uh, those are the links that we have on our homepage as well as the missions page. Maybe this is the first time you listen to our program. You can go to the missions page and read a little bit about us or forget about reading. Go to the bottom. Uh, do a little support and listen to the interview that you're listening to right now. And then go to our guest website. We'll give that to you in just a moment so that you can continue your evolutionary process. Well, today we're going to continue our conversation, so to speak, in regards to uh, this subject that when I got out of high school and I was in college and then I got out of college and then I got into broadcasting and I was going through, in about the early, mid-80s, I started hearing about this subject again, and I'm going, wait a minute, I'm not in school anymore. Why is this a problem? Apparently thinking that because I was in school, it was a problem, and once I get out, it's over. It's been going on ever since. It's been going on even before I was in school, and unfortunately, we're dealing with it. But there were also some issues that we're going to talk about dealing with, yes, you heard it, you, you figured it out, bullying. We're going to talk about uh, the 25 myths about bullying and cyberbullying, and we're going to have as our guest, we have as our guest, via Skype, Elizabeth K. Englander. And uh, Dr. Englander, I want to thank you, first of all, for joining us on the program. You are a publisher, um, and we'll find out about what a uh, Willie Blackwell Award is, and also uh, talk to you and your, uh, uh, about this whole subject. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me on. This, as I said, is a subject that I dealt with in school uh, from the receiving end, unfortunately. But at the same time, some would say, well, Richard, you know, uh, that builds character. You know, you get a little, little toughen you up a little bit and so forth. And I, I as I've gotten older, I've been thinking, uh, can we can we toughen ourselves up a little differently in other ways rather than hurting people physically, mentally, emotionally, and in some cases, spiritually? Um I find that interesting that that we have adults who seem to think <laughs> that this is a character building exercise in school uh, rather than a detriment. Well, uh, I think I understand why they think that, though. Um, you know, it, it's <clears throat> it's all a matter of degree. Having a little bit of adversity can can build resilience, especially if you succeeded it. So, for example, if you have a situation when you're a kid where, you know, in the third grade, you don't get invited to somebody's birthday party, but you, you know, your feelings are hurt, but you figure out a way to deal with it. You stick with your friends. Maybe you do something else that's fun on the same day. That, that will build character. But bullying is different. Bullying is, is a kind of abuse, and that doesn't build character. 
I think that's, I think it's really a matter of degree. And that's one of the reasons why it's really confusing. Well, now you happen to, uh, you're the founder as well as the executive director of the Massachusetts uh, Aggression Reduction Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this, of course, for for those who need to know where this is, it's in Bridgewater State, at Bridgewater State University. Um, I find it interesting, the name of the organ of of it, the foundation uh, of the uh, uh, center center. is the aggression, aggressive uh, no, aggression reduction, mm-hmm. uh, which leads me to believe that there is a certain amount of, how do I put this, necessary aggression in one's life? Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's kind of a fine line. And I think that can make it confusing for people. I really do. Um, it, it's I, I think it's a genuine confusion. I mean, I, I don't think people are bad, you know. I, I don't think people hate children. I think that what's going on sometimes is that um, there's a confusion between the idea that do we want to make the world, you know, all uh, uh, puppies and rainbows and no problems. You know, the truth is we couldn't do that, could we? Even if we wanted to. But really, that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to give kids experiences that build them up. So, and give them coping skills so that they can cope with difficult situations. Uh, bullying though is not, is, is not a, it's not a situation that kids can't cope with. There are kids who cope with bullying very successfully. So part of the job that I do is looking at how do people cope and how can we help other kids learn these skills so that they feel more resilient and stronger. But it's really not about saying, you know, well, you're sort of on your own. You know, if somebody comes after you, good luck. And uh, that's all. Mm -hmm. Well, I know that I know this much. Right. I know this much that I learned how to run. I was very good in track and field. (laughs) Uh, You know, the the flight, fight or flight. Yeah. And I I chose the flight, which was considerably less painful. And that's Absolutely. not to say that I was getting beat up uh, every day or anything, but it was the harassment. It was just the constant harassment. And then, of course, uh, in my situation, everybody's is different. Um, you know, I I was a target and I sort of made myself a target because I chose to carry around my large print books and or my uh, uh, um, other other materials that were very large because I had a visual impairment. I was legally blind from birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and obviously, when you have a disability, or as, as I learned to eventually call it, a perceived limitation, but when you have one of those that is visible, yeah. you are a target by. And here's, here's the thing that gets me, uh, and, and I, I actually want to go back to something you said as far as uh, how some kids can cope really well with it. Uh, then there are others who can't cope at all, and they check out. They kill themselves because they can't take the pressure. Why do you think it is necessary? And, and again, we're, we're conversing here. I'm not being argumentative with you. Sure. But it, this be a part of, so to speak, the curriculum uh, that could potentially end in an individual child's death by their own hand because this is just, it's too much for them. It just seems to me. I I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. I think that, you know, it, it happens, it doesn't happen because society or children are healthy. That's not why it happens. 
Um, mm -hmm. Kids grow up with a certain amount of adversity. And I think that sort of Mother Nature set it up that way in order to teach them how to deal with adversity as adults. But what you're describing, you know, being targeted because you were legally blind, mm -hmm. or when we're talking about bullying, that's not what I'm talking about when I say that there's a certain okay. amount of adversity. I mean that when I talk about sort of normal or to be expected adversity, I'm talking about the things that we all have to share. Nobody can invite everybody to their birthday party. Some people are going to be left out. There are going to be people you want to date as a teenager who don't want to date you. Uh, there are going to be people who you want to be friends with when you're growing up who may not like you or who decide they no longer want to be friends with you. That is all a normal part of growing up. And those are hurts that we all have to learn to deal with. Bullying is different though. Bullying is when a more powerful person or a group of people targets somebody over and over again. They're abusing them. They're trying to make their lives miserable. And the person who's the target cannot defend themselves. That's not normal and it's not okay and it's not healthy and we shouldn't expect it. Okay. Um, so Part of it is sort of learning, uh, part of this is learning how to reduce those behaviors, of course, and the kids who do them. But part of it is also saying when bad things happen, how, how do we cope? You know, what do you do when your child comes home and says, you know, I'm really crushed because Joe was my best friend and now he won't talk to me. Yeah. You know, those I'm things actually are crushing for kids. Yeah, but they, they happen. How, how do we teach our children to cope with those kinds of problems without, you know, getting so depressed or being so distraught that that God forbid, you know, they they become depressed or even suicidal. And so there's there's two sides to this problem. You know, there are the kids who are acting out and then there are the kids who are the targets. Yeah. And what this book is trying to do is it's trying to say, don't be hampered by things that might once have been true, but aren't anymore. Or don't be hampered by myths you might have heard. Like the truth is really going to set you free in this case. Once you really know what to look for, it's going to really help you help your child. Nobody's, I don't think there's anybody who says that kids should just deal with this on their own, you know, good luck to you and that's it. I yeah. think this is a problem kids need help with. Now, the other aspect of it too is uh, there's another dynamic here or dimension maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And it's best summed up, I think, and I wish, you know, when I come up with these references, I wish I had all the information about the references. <laughs> but you know, you probably know the song. Teach your children well. Mm. well yeah. These children, these children who exhibit this behavior of bullying did not read it in a book, did not pick it up necessarily on the playground. They got it from home, from family and friends. Did they not? Is that not the majority of the uh, sources? of where these uh, kids uh, started this uh, behavior? A lot of times, absolutely. A lot of times when kids hurt other people, they're doing it because of what their family life is like. But mm -hmm. to be fair, 
that really isn't always the case. You can even look at people who are mass murderers who didn't have parents like this. So it's, you know, it's tough because you sort of have to ask yourself, how, how much does this help us? If I look at, if I can't look at a child and say, well, I know in this particular case that the fault is all of the parents, then how much does that really help me? It really doesn't help so much. In lots of cases, there's going to be a problem at home. Absolutely. But in lots of other cases, the kids are born with problems that parents are struggling to cope with and just don't know what to do, don't know how to address it. Um, kids, you know, can have uh, social problems, they can have academic problems, they can, you know, be, I mean, there's so many reasons why kids might turn to aggression that it, it's a really complicated problem. And it's sort of tempting because I think that as adults, we sort of, we don't want to blame the kids, you know, so we sort of would like to be able to point a finger. And it's, hard when you can't really have somebody to blame. But, you know, in a lot of the cases that we see coming through my re the research lab that I run at the university, mm -hmm. one of those cases, it's, it's not that simple. You know, for example, you can have cases where somebody is being really mean to others because they really have a tendency to be depressed. But Maybe they had some problems at home, but nothing too bad. Maybe they moved around a lot, you know, or maybe they had problems making friends. Maybe they inherited a gene that tended them to become more depressed than other people. Um, it's usually something more complicated like that. It's usually, I mean, everybody knows cases, you know, where the kids are aggressive and the parents are aggressive. And it seems pretty clear that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. But for each of those clear cases, there are nine more that are really complicated. That's why this problem has stuck around. It's not an easy problem. This is a really complicated problem. And that's partly why I wrote this book, because I feel like at the very least, we all have to start with good information. You know, we have to start with what we really know. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's really going to help us begin to address this more. And I think people are already going in that direction. I really do. I mean, there's a lot of indications that things are, are getting better, not worse. Right. But well, and yet, and yet we, I would have to say mm -hmm. from my own personal experience yep. that we now have uh, been facing this. We now are facing this issue and have been for the last, I'm going to say five years, maybe six. Mm -hmm. um, on a national, if not international scale. Right. Specifically with <clears throat> the man who uh, happens to presently reside in the White House. Right. Now, when I first saw him dramatically come down the escalators <laughs> and say the things that he said. Yeah. Uh, I said, I don't want him as president. Had nothing to do with politics. Absolutely right. nothing. I, said, I don't want to bully as president, uh, you know, I have a little information about Harry Truman. I mean, he was pretty verbose. He was pretty uh, flamboyant in his language at times. Right. But at least communicate with the man and, and you could reason with him. Uh, this man contend, continues to 
to belittle people, continues to criticize people. And it's almost as if the general public seems to just put up with it. It's like saying they're not they're not saying, hey, stop it. No, we're not going to put up with that. You go ahead and you be president, but we're not going to put up with that garbage. But nobody yeah, seems well, to be sometimes successful. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right. They, yeah. they sometimes are. And probably anybody who gets to be president is a pretty ruthless person. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I agree with you that the current president is a different kettle of fish. Yeah. And, and I've um, even interviewed, I've even had interviews <clears throat> on the issue of, <clears throat> excuse me, of narcissism and egotism. Yeah. And they even made the comment too. Yeah, you can look at all the negatives, but at the same time, uh, you have to acknowledge the, um, shall we say, the positive sides of narcissism mm -hmm. because it's 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 what drives this person to achieve some of the things that they may achieve and now i'm speaking in general terms here generalities <clears throat> and that's something i think that a lot of people uh have sort of i don't want to say i don't want to say that they've forgotten but right. they're not aware of they don't think because all they're seeing is this negative this 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 uh, uh, a crazy individual who's just behaving in such such a bizarre fashion I want to I want to shift a little bit here. Uh, I want to mm -hmm. remind our listeners, of course, this is tell me your story. We're talking. We're talking with our very special guest here on the program. I'm glad you're here with us. She's the executive director of the Massachusetts uh, Aggression, <clears throat> excuse me, Aggression Reduction Center there in at uh, the Bridgewater State University, Elizabeth Englander. And uh, the particular book we're talking about, of course, uh, bullying and uh, cyberbullying, what even educators uh, need to know, 25 myths. I want to talk about those as we move forward here, but I want to remind our listeners that if you'd like to get more information, you can certainly go to her website, which is englanderelizabeth.com. Now, that's a neat little twist. If you couldn't get your name in the forward sense, go backwards. That works. <laughs> englanderelizabeth.com. She got dot com. I felt the same way when I realized that my my website, richarddugan.com, was actually available. Really? Okay, I'm going to grab it now before somebody else does. <laughs> because I did a Google yeah. search on my name, and I realized how many more Richard Dugans there were out there. So it was very interesting. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about uh, this, these, these myths. Um, I, I know that there are, there are two in particular, I'll call them wise sayings, uh, old wives tales, however you want to phrase them. I'm not even sure what term to put them under. Uh, you know, the one sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I found out not just early on, but in my own personal search <clears throat> as a metaphysician, a spiritual seeker, that that was a lie, that that was not true, that words. Right can hurt there was the other Absolutely. one the other one and we'll go back to that one but the other one was you can't change people this is what i was always constantly told you richard you can't change people i found out that's mm. a lie and here's the reason why if i focus on myself if i take a look as kind of what you were talking about changing my perception and perspective on the bully and i've understood it that bullies are more afraid than the one being bullied. There's more fear within that person than there is within the person being bullied. Um, but if I change myself, if let's say uh, in my life, 
I've been through a lot of personal growth programs. I've been through a little counseling here and there. But I consider this radio program and the programs I've been doing for 40 years my own personal therapy, okay? So mm-hmm. I've been doing my own work. And what I've come to, uh, the conclusion I've come to is that if I change myself, I change the people around me. They're either going to draw closer to me because they like what they see, they hear, they feel about me. Or they're going to run as far away from me as they possibly can because they can't stand where I am now. And to me, it's it's unconscious. It's not uh, deliberate, but it does. But it is true that we can change people around us. And so those were the just the two. But talk to me about some of the myths of the 25 that you talk about uh, in, in your work and in your book. Uh, in regards to uh, uh, bullying and cyberbullying? Well, I think there are, I mean, there are a number of, you know, there's obviously 25 myths in the book, but some of the ones that I hear about most often um, are things like the idea that, um, that bullying, if it happens to, it can take a child who is otherwise completely healthy and you know, result in there being, uh, result in there being um, suddenly uh, suicidal. And that does seem to be a myth, that, that when children become suicidal following a bullying episode, it's usually because there's a lot of things that have sort of built up, and it's, it's contributed to those. And it could be biological um, or physiological, as you mentioned earlier, in regards to the it could be. I think yeah. one of the most important things, though, I mean, are the myths that I really want parents to feel more empowered. And so, for example, uh, the myth in Chapter 9 is the idea that adults cannot help children with computer issues because kids know much more than we do. That's mm-hmm. a complete myth. Um, when kids get into trouble online, it's not about understanding sort of what button to push, you know, or where to click. They, they don't get into trouble because they can't figure out how to set up an account or because they don't know, you know, how to do, how to do something. They get into trouble for common sense reasons. For example, they have a picture of their friend that they think is really funny and they post it and they encourage people to laugh at it. Their friend doesn't think it's funny. Their friend finds it totally humiliating. Mm-hmm. And the result is like World War III in the seventh grade, you know, because they've gone and done this without thinking about it. That, that's, that's a common sense issue, you know. You're, po- you're posting a photo of your friend that you think is funny. How do you think your friend is going to feel about it? Yeah. That that's not a technological issue. So the the problems that kids get into online that cause cyberbullying and fighting online really have more to do with common sense. And I really really want parents to understand this because I meet so many parents who just give up. You know, they feel like they don't know what to do. They they don't understand how to use apps or they don't understand how to use uh, their child's gaming device, and and so they just give up. And so I really want parents to not give up, but don't focus on the technology. Don't be distracted by it. Focus on how the kids are doing with their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a, that's a very, very important myth. Um, you know, I think the idea that 
cyberbullies are almost always anonymous. That's a myth. Most of the time, kids know who is bullying them. They know who it is. It's somebody who's also picking on them at school, although not right now, obviously, because all the kids are homeschooling. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, it's somebody who's always picking on them in school and they know what's going on. So don't assume that your child, if your child's being targeted, don't assume, you know, that they don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I think another important one is the idea that revenge is usually the best way to handle a bully. Now, back in the day, decades ago, when you and I were kids, um, sort of coming back at a bully sometimes worked because it would show the bully that, you know, you had nerve and it would, they, they wouldn't want to confront you, you know? Right. So it kind of worked, but today it, that it doesn't work at all. In fact, revenge usually backfires yeah. because kids, bullies today don't have to confront anybody. If their target goes after them, they will turn around and report them. And then the kid who's the target gets into trouble, not the bully. Now, so it, it doesn't, things like revenge, which might have worked for you when you were a kid, are not good pieces of advice today. Let me, let me throw a couple things in. Uh, back when I was a kid uh, growing up and getting uh, harassed on the playground and what have you, I remember one incident where... Um, I knew what he was going to do. He was basically going to try to kick me in the privates. Mm -hmm. So I, I turned one quarter turn, raising my left leg up, bending at the knee to do nothing more than protect myself. Yeah. And I, and I ended up kicking him. It okay. was not my intent, but I ended up kicking him and I'm thinking, Oh great. This was a smart move. Um, <laughs> and, and the other aspect of it too, is that, uh, if you could show greater strength than the bully, and this is going back those decades that you're talking about. Yeah. You could usually <laughs> shut them down. And um, that is still true, but not, not physically today. So for example, if you were going through high school today and you were getting picked on because you were legally blind. The bet what what subjects tells now this isn't anecdotal right this is research that we've done on thousands and thousands of kids they tell us the single best thing is if you can show that you're stronger by the fact that you have friends who like you so you stick with your friends you remind yourself there are people who likes you that helps you sort of not care so much yeah. and that's the biggest discouragement to somebody yeah. I had a couple of, uh, there were a couple of girls in grade school. Uh, mm -hmm. I still remember their names. Won't, I won't mention them on the air, although it could be anybody. And uh, they just really did not care much for me. They just didn't like me at all. At least that was the way they put it across. And um, I, I managed in uh, eighth grade in the second semester to make it into the National Junior Honor Society to the consternation of pretty much everybody, including these girls. Well, what was at stake was a trip to Disneyland as well as to Huntington beach. So I made it. And so we're on this trip and we get to Huntington beach and we're all walking around along the beach. And it was, I think it might've been my first, second or third time at the ocean. And I walked out into the surf a little ways. And of course I knew nothing about riptides and my feet, pulled out from under me and I was literally being dragged out into the ocean. 
Mm-hmm. Guess who came to my rescue? Those two girls. And uh, I-, I thought, wait a minute. I-, I was actually perplexed. First of all, I was grateful. <laughs> sure. But I was perplexed going, wait a minute. How come you're saving my life? Because that's how I perceived it. Um, when you dislike me so much. Uh, and I, I, I have to say that that was a very a bizarre experience that I had. I wanted to touch on one thing about, about dealing with bullies, especially in cyberbullying. I had an adult who I connected with on LinkedIn. And we were chatting. And I thought, well, she might be an interesting conversationalist uh, for a program. Mm-hmm. Before we ever did the interview... The next thing I know, I'm getting I'm getting uh, phone calls from her, uh, basically wanting me to do something because I'm in the media uh, to uh, resolve a situation that she was having on Facebook. That this particular actor from Hollywood was harassing her, was just giving her all kinds of grief and this and that and the other thing. And I said, I, I, we're not going to do the show about that's not what the radio program's about. I'm sorry. I, I said, well, oh, well, and eventually she stopped bothering me because I eventually blocked her. But the one thing that crossed my mind to solve her problem, as far as Facebook is concerned, delete your account. Get rid of your account. Now, I know that with kids, teenagers in particular, that's the last thing you do not want to get rid of your Instagram account or your Facebook account or any of these other social media platforms, because that's where everybody hangs out. But this was an adult. This was an adult. Well, but even adults today are very connected typically through social media. So she, her, her feeling may have been, Hey, this is how I talk to my friends and my parents and my siblings. And I don't want to disconnect all of, all of those connections. And well, I thought you could have reported often, them too. Yeah, I think often too, it, it feels very unjust to people. You know, if, if they're, yeah. they're being harassed on a social media site, it feels unjust that they should have to delete their account instead of the person who's harassing them. Um, you know, the other thing she could have done was to report it to Facebook. Now, whether that would have done anything, I don't know. And that, uh, frankly, based on anecdotal experience, seems sort of hit or miss to me. But they might have been able to help her, and that might have been a way that that she could have coped with it, other than just deleting her whole account. And I kind of felt bad that there really wasn't anything more that I could do for her. Yeah, she then started attacking me, not online or anything, just in these phone calls, in these conversations, you know, yeah. accusing me of not caring, of not, you know, this and that and the other thing. And it's like. Uh, well, you know, I'm a firm believer in picking your fights, and this isn't one I'm picking because this is not my fight. Right. Uh, I, I've given you the best counsel I can give you from my experience, you know, and uh, you're just going to have to figure it out. And uh, and I felt for her, too, because, you know, that's no fun. I mean, every once in a while, we all get these these crazy, crazy emails uh, that accuse us of doing certain things online and that they have video or they have proof that they we've been doing it and that if they don't if we don't pay them x number of dollars they're going to release this to our family and friends and right. on and, on. and of course I'm here, yeah and this particular individual and i've had this uh said he had video of me doing this and that and the other thing right right the only video i have is on my phone and this is as of the present it's the only video i have and i've only used my video in zoom and skype 
interviews and so forth. That's the only place I've ever used it. So I knew that right. this person had nothing. So right. I just the, I just deleted the emails. Right. Because I I've gotten this those emails a, too. I've gotten yeah. probably most of your listeners have gotten them. Oh yeah. 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 So, so uh, that's the other thing too is before you start getting emotional, emotionally worried and scared and so forth, you need to right. think, wait a minute, is that even possible for them to have because right. even even though they may give you a piece of information right. that is supposedly secret, maybe a password that you've used, uh, so what? Um, you know, you need you know, to think Richard, this. That's a great example, though, of the way that you're sort of bringing your life experience, you know, and your, and your common sense into this yeah. situation. And you're not panicking over it, but children don't have that life experience. And as we all know, all of us who have had kids, kids don't have a whole lot of common sense sometimes. And so they really do still need to talk with their parents about what they're doing online, what kinds of cookie things are happening and what they're getting. And does it, you know, do these things mean anything? Um, but that's going to happen if they you know, have a relationship with their parents. That's the other thing, right. too. That's right. Absolutely. That, you know, preventing social problems with kids and aggression is all about the relationship. It really is. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it's really hard to keep things going when kids get up and, you know, to be eight, nine, 10 years old, and they're, you know, beginning to be more social, and then they go into adolescence. And this isn't easy. It's not easy. This is a hard time to be a parent. I really do believe that. But at the same, well, I have three kids myself, and I, it, this is not easy. But having said that, I really think what kids need is to have their parents to talk to, or some other adult, or their siblings to talk to, just somebody they can yeah. bounce ideas off, and somebody who can say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't post that. You know, you don't. You're not thinking about this. Yeah. Um, you know." And somebody who they can go a ask a question to. You know, one of my kids, once he was running a server and a boy, and then he shut it down and a boy sent him an email saying, if you don't open up your server again, I'm going to commit suicide. And he didn't know what to do with that. You know, he didn't know if that was like a joke or a code or serious or what. And so he brought it to me and said, Mom, this kid sent this thing to me. It's really weird and a little scary. I don't know what to do with it. And, you know, I, I'm a grown up, so I knew what to do with it. And, yeah. you know, th that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, kids, they need to be able to come to you if something happens yeah. uh, that they're not sure about. Well, I will tell you before we go to break here that my parents probably in my early 20s, maybe mid 20s, we were sitting around talking and somehow this subject came up of what I went through in school. And, and my parents actually, first of all, acknowledged how sorry they were that I had to go through that. Mm -hmm. And they also said to me, and we're sorry we didn't do a better job of protecting you. Mm. But when I look back on my my childhood uh you know my childhood and adolescence and and those experiences and i i put together that with what they say i wish we could have done a better job of protecting you i don't know how they could have done a better job of protecting me at all because i'm the one who's in the environment not them and by right. the time, by the time discipline comes along i report it and then there's discipline the action it's already happened it's already whole, happened right yeah. yeah, that's the whole problem with, you know, with bullying and aggression is that you can't put the 
toothpaste back into the tube. You really no. can't. What you need to do is, is learn how to prevent it because yeah. it's by preventing it that you're really going to minimize harm. Yeah. Um, I, so I, ignoring I, everything until there's a crisis is, is not the best approach. And I thanked them for what they said. I appreciated it. I really did. And mm -hmm. I understood, and I understood, and even more so today, um, you know, and uh, so I certainly hope that people will, uh, parents will do everything they can to foster good relationships, communicative relationships with their children, and vice versa. If you're a kid listening, you know, your parents aren't the enemy. Uh, your parents are there to help you, uh, to raise you, yes, to discipline you at times, yes, to, to help to guide you to, as the old saying goes, Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. uh, to help you not to make the mistakes that I made, which <laughs> I think I think uh, parents need to stop saying that because kids yeah. are make, they have to make their own mistakes because sometimes that is the only way to learn. Uh, we have learned on this program that the clock is is uh, eh, it's not a bully. But it is a taskmaster. We're going to take a little break here. I encourage people to go to englanderelizabeth.com, find out more about the institute, by about the center, uh, the uh, the uh, aggression reduction center there in. Uh, is it in uh, Boston? Uh, I know it's in it, Massachusetts, it's but right south of Boston. And we have a lot. There are so many resources that we have for parents. Ways to begin conversations and ways to understand how to handle things like sleep and digital devices or other issues. So I really encourage people to check it out. There's a lot there. Uh, by the way, one point uh, that I found interesting in talking with a uh, uh, health practitioner is that the, the that um, now my my phone, I can have I have a filter that I can set uh, to mask out the the harsh the, the blue light, if you will. That is harmful, mm -hmm. especially at night, that causes problems with ability to sleep. But not everybody knows about it. Not everybody does it. Uh, but that's something people need to keep in mind. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are talking with Elizabeth uh, Englander, and we're talking about uh, the work that she's doing uh, with uh, bullying and cyberbullying, 25 myths that we've been talking about. There are a few that we've talked about. We may talk about some more, but some other issues that we will discuss here on the program. I'm Richard Dugan, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, along with my special guest, Elizabeth Englander. EnglanderElizabeth.com is her website. I, I, I get a kick out of that. I really do. I think that's very creative. Thank uh, you. <laughs> Speaking of creative, uh, I, I took a course many years ago. Um, and in this course, they talked about uh, one of the questions that came up or, or discussions came up. The question was put forth to the, to the group. Who do you think are the most creative people on the planet? And of course, people had all the, all their different ideas. And uh, the individual asking the question uh, basically told everybody, you're wrong. No matter who you mentioned, artists, scientists, the creative, the, the free thinkers. Says, the most creative people on the planet are criminals. Because the laws that have been put in place to help you and I to better function and be a more cohesive, uh, uh, civilized society, they don't care. They don't exist to the criminal. And so the criminal basically finds every way that he or she can 
to get whatever it is that he or she wants. Regardless, the, the laws don't matter. Those rules, if you will, if you're playing a game of Monopoly and you're playing with someone who doesn't care about the rules, you're not going to be playing Monopoly for very long because you can't. Uh, bullies in one sense are kind of the same way. They don't really care about the rules. They care only about getting what they want. Uh, and, uh, I've heard it said that, um, there is a fine line between a, a bully and maybe a, a psychopath. Uh, in, in interviews that I've talked with people, uh, I did an interview with somebody who, who was talking about the, the psychopathic mentality. And this was kind of where the conversation came up about the the positives the, the, of, of being a psychopath in terms of how our civilization has gotten to where it has gotten in, in, in mm -hmm. one sense. Yep. And <clears throat> I'm wondering, is is. If you if you've figured out that it is not a biological, physiological, chemical imbalance, et cetera, et cetera, um, but it's more learning. Is that something that you have found is uh, that, that you, you don't, you don't unteach anything. It, you know, it's like you said, you can't put the tube toothpaste back in the tube. Right. How do, how, how do you then, um, how do we put this? <laughs> how do you then uh, create a new tube of toothpaste, so to speak? Well, in this person? the first thing is I really want to caution everybody. You know, you, you, can't I really believe that you can't give up on children you know it's not the same thing as talking about a sort of an adult psychopathic criminal which is a different different thing right um children you know we have an obligation to try to help children even children who are aggressive they're not all psychopaths bullies are not all psychopaths a lot of them actually seem to think that they're justified in what they're doing that they know they're hurting somebody, but that it's okay because they themselves have been hurt or because it's sort of the way things are done. And so part of what you're talking about when you're talking about helping them is sort of teaching them how to reinterpret, you know, what's happening. So if somebody bumps into you in the hallway in school, is that always, you know, somebody who's deliberately trying to put you down? Could it just be an accident? You know, could it have no meaning? Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't try to seek revenge. Uh, on the other hand, other kids bully because they're just trying to get social status. They want other people to admire them. And the best way to deal with those kids is to teach all the other kids to not admire people like that. Say, well, you know, who do we really, who do we really think is, is better? And to have them, give them, you know, sort of inspiring examples of people to look up to and to but think media, about themselves and right. doing good our, and that, that kind of thing. Right. But our media doesn't help that men, that protect, that perspective. Because it glorifies, <laughs> promotes it. I mean, I, when, when there was a statistic that came out following the 2016 election about how much money would have been spent by the current president's campaign, had he bought all of the advertising time that he had received for free, it was in the triple-digit billions. Yeah. Billions! He was just... 
And they just, and, and, and of course I, it was explained to me and said, well, it's kind of hard to turn your back on this guy. Cause he's so outrageous. You just have to follow him. And I'm thinking really a- a- at the expense of everybody else who's running or uh, other issues that are going on, other stories and so forth. Um, and I think in the retrospect, re- there were some outlets that actually express that and that agree with you that express mm-hmm. that thought that they shouldn't have. Yeah, uh, they but should they do the same. Yeah, but they do the same thing with uh, some of these mass murderers. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't recall the news coverage of Ted Bundy or, uh, um, oh, I can't remember all of them. But anyway, I, yeah. you know what I'm referring to. Uh, they sure. didn't give quite as much. And a lot of times the police in their investigations want to make sure that information doesn't get out because they don't want to give this person who's committing these horrific crimes uh, that attention. Right, and, and they don't want to compromise their case. And the so, you know, I have case, case right put out sure. there. I I think media is getting better though, and I think laws are beginning to catch up. So, for example, there's a lot of laws now that people who commit horrific crimes can't write books that profit yeah. them. Yeah. So you know, things are people are beginning to recognize it, but change is slow. You're right, and we haven't caught up. And, uh, and we still have a, you know, maybe the, maybe the price of a free media is that, you know, people are always going to be fascinated by it, but it does cause problems. And I mean, so for example, in the area of bullying or cyberbullying, one of the problems it causes is that the media often highlights sort of the most horrific cases and they, they oversimplify them. You know, so a child will commit suicide and, uh, you know, there will be headlines screaming that, you know, they were bullied and that's why they committed suicide. And they don't include the fact that this child has been depressed for many years, you know, has struggled with their social relationships, has no friends, you know, has academic problems and can't keep up in school. And nobody wants to hear the nuances. And that, you know, when they're reading a sensationalist story but the problem is that then what you have is you have parents who get so frightened if their child's being bullied that they will you know suddenly turn around and commit suicide and that can really make you freeze you know that kind of fear so well we had a case here in santa barbara uh, a mm -hmm. few years back a young man at the university um you know, he started out with knives and he went to guns and he killed a number of people before he killed himself. Uh-huh. And it was reported that, yes, he, over the previous years, had problems and his parents did try to get him help. Uh, so, yeah, there's there. there yeah, are I, a lot I know of the case you're talking about. I've actually taught that case to my students because. Rogers. Last name Rogers. Yes, that's right. Elliot Rogers. I Elliot think Rogers. Right. Yes. And uh, yeah, he was in a way a, um, a very sad but realistic example. You know, he didn't have parents who didn't care. He didn't have parents who didn't try. They saw something was wrong. They knew something was wrong and they they tried to get him help. They did the best, and they did the best that they could. with. Yeah, what his mother had. was the one who called the police on him. Yeah. Let me ask you, as we shift gears here just a little bit. Why this issue has become so important to you? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, so people ask me that actually, actually 
And they often look at me as though they're expecting me to say that I was bullied horribly as a child, but that's really not true. I'm in my case, um, I wasn't, I wasn't victimized horribly, although I was picked on, I was not, you know, the most self-confident kid. I was not the most popular kid. I, I had friends, but I wasn't in the A group. Um, but having said that, I, I think that, you know, studying, studying violence, and I've now been a researcher in this area for, you know, 30 years, studying violence and violence in children, I, I just feel like it's a monumental human waste. There's so, it, think about where we would be as a society if we could put all this time and energy and resources and thought into better things. You know, why are we still resorting to these really primitive, destructive, painful ways of interacting? And I really feel like we can do better. I mean, I feel like in many ways we are doing better, but I, I really feel like we can do better. And I see it as an area where I can really it really causes so much pain for so many people on this planet that if we can do better, we could, we could really change the world. And so that, that I think is what attracts me to it. It's more, it's more my optimism than anything else. Well, you know, I have to be honest with you. <clears throat> it's good to hear someone who hasn't been through a lot of this stuff, uh, mm -hmm. who is concerned about this issue. Uh, you hear all the time of people getting into different fields because of their their experiences in the past. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I don't have I haven't I, I haven't really spent much time <clears throat> uh, contemplating why I'm in broadcasting and doing these interviews uh, based upon what I've been through in my past. Other than maybe and this is just speculation off the cuff that maybe I felt back then I didn't have a voice and that I was going to damn well make one for myself. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Or, or uh, after going through everything I went through, I've, I needed to find a cheap uh, uh, and, and a very effective way of going through therapy for the next 40 years. <laughs> Again, I, 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 Whatever I, works, right? <laughs> there, you go, there you go. Now, uh, you have, I'm curious as to the, the, the dynamics, you know, and share with us what you will uh, in your own family. You say you have kids of your own. I'm curious mm -hmm. as to the dynamic. I'm sorry, say again. I have three children. Three children. Mm -hmm. The dynamics within your family, uh, between you and your children, your your mm -hmm. your husband, uh, your your partner, and your children. Yep. Um, is there? Uh, do you think that your family, though maybe not Norman Rockwellish? <laughs> <laughs> Is, Certainly is not Norman Rockwellish. <laughs> is a pretty cohesive unit where the kids can come to you with pretty much anything. Well, I'd like, to, I'd like to think so. I think all parents want to believe that, and I'm no different. I'd like to think that my children come to me with problems. They certainly do come to me with problems. I don't know if they're coming to me with all their problems. I mean, that how would I know about the ones I don't know about? I will go. say that I think kids are responsive to the things in their family that I think that families give children a feeling that something that certain things are more important than others. And this varies from family to family. So, for example, 
there may be some families that give the feeling that, um, you know, that academic achievement is more important than anything else, or that sports ability is more important than anything else. And everybody varies in this. And, uh, you know, really has to do with what you think is most important in your life. And so because of the way I am, my husband uh, is a school teacher, so he shares my views very closely. And um, I think that one of the things that we really thought was most important in our family was how we treated each other. And that included how my kids treated each other. So I will say that we were very strict about not letting them, you know, abuse each other. Mm -hmm. and very sensitive to that and very, very strict and very on top of it. And I I will say that um, my three kids are, are very close and get along very well. And uh, during this pandemic, they, um, my two older uh, boys came home. They didn't want the youngest to be alone. And, um, you know, they, they're just, they just get along really, really well. And I don't know what that's due to. I don't know if it's because I insisted that they behave themselves with each other <laughs> or if, you know what I mean? Or if I just yeah. got lucky. I, I really don't know. You know, there's an old saying in psychology that nobody believes in biology until they have children. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's really hard to know what's due to what. It, yeah. it really is. Um, my kids are not Norman Rockwell. They can be sloppy. They can, you know, sleep too late. They can not do their chores. They can, you know, there's all kinds of ways they can fall down and they're young. There's, there's plenty of time, you know, for them to, to mess up. Um, but yeah. I think parents are very worried today about that. You know, yeah. I, I think they're very anxious about their children making any mistakes at all. And I don't think I'm so anxious about that. I, I think they are going to make mistakes. I, I think I expect it to happen. And well, there's, there, then there's, there's, another, yeah, there's another perspective I want to share with you <clears throat> in regards to the, the word you're using mistakes in a conversation I've had on, uh, on numerous occasions on this program, I have dealt with the subject of uh, duality in this world, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the dark, the light, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, um, when you point your perspective out, let's say you're looking through the Hubble telescope, all right, Uh, and you're watching stuff move around, flying the comets and meteors and supernovas exploding and all of this stuff. And and even if you're looking at the sun uh, and you see those flares, you know, those solar flares and so forth. Now, uh, you look at all of that stuff. And usually you're going to go, ooh, ah, wow, that's, you're awed by it, right? Yeah. All right. So now you go, and now you're looking through an electron microscope. And now you're looking at the subatomic world, which, as I was a kid growing up, was basically, every time I would look at pictures of this, I'm thinking, gee, that looks like the cosmos. That looks like the universe, the, the planets and the stars and the galaxies and all of that stuff. You know, as above, so below, as the phrase goes. And we're still sitting there going, ooh and ah, right? Right. But when we come to this level where you and I live, I call it the mid-crow, okay? There's the macro, the micro, the mid-crow, in the middle, right? Okay. When stuff like that happens, explosions and collisions, whatever, you know, in whatever scenario you wish to describe, 
Mm-hmm. We are fearful. We are excited. We are joyful. We are sad. We are angry. We are all of these things. <clears throat> and, and, and I have struggled with this whole concept of duality until I started taking a look at the macro and the micro. And I began to realize there are no mistakes. There's no right and wrong. There's just experience. Now, I'm not saying that when you raise your children, <clears throat> you're going to raise them to behave in a such a way that is, shall we say, socially acceptable? You know, mm-hmm. they're not hurting themselves and they're not hurting others. Right. And yet it's all experiences. For And, and the reason I, I, I bring this up is because <clears throat> when we take a look at our past, whether we be the bullied or the bully. Yeah. And we reach adulthood and we start to understand. We get that different perspective that you talk about. Mm-hmm. We can't feel guilty about that because to me, guilt is basically saying, I want to pull that thread out of my tapestry and get rid of it because that's just awful. You can't do that because if you pull that thread, Not only does the tapestry become unraveled, but you are not then the person that you are now. You would not have the awareness that you have now. And that's why uh, when I say uh, when I when I start thinking about, quote unquote, mistakes, Mm -hmm. I, I just I look at them not as mistakes, but as, again, experiences, learning experiences, hopefully. Uh, I remember someone telling me once, if you're going to make, as they put it, a mistake. First of all, make it a big one. Okay, don't make small mistakes. Make big mistakes. Okay, and then. Well, I think it depends what kind of mistakes you're talking about. I mean, if you're, you know, the whole issue of mistakes and violence in children, you might be interested to know, is actually kind of controversial, Um, because there are people who characterize what children like. If I, if I. If I bully somebody on Instagram, there are people who would characterize that as a mistake. And other adults would say, no, if you do it intentionally, it's not a mistake. And so I think the word mistake is a loaded word. I think it's an emotionally loaded word. And I think it's it's one that's not really defined. You know, when we think about children and how to sort of help them be healthy, you know, and grow up and grow up in a healthy way. Do we think that they're going to do things without thinking about it? Of course they will. All children do things without thinking about it. And is that a mistake? Maybe. I guess I feel like we should maybe get away from the word, maybe because of what you're talking about, you know, not looking at things as just black and white or right or wrong, saying, you know, try to understand why you behaved this way and you shouldn't do it again because what you did hurt somebody and that's never yeah. okay. Hurt yourself um, or somebody. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And sometimes adults have said to me, Oh, well, yes, you know, my child bullied another, but you know, the child they bullied was very annoying, which is <laughs> often the case. I mean, it's not, that's not unusual, but, but it's not like, well, that doesn't matter. You know, it's never okay. And uh, that doesn't mean you can't understand why it happened. And that doesn't mean you can't help your child find a better way to cope. Um, What else could you do when somebody annoys you, you know, other than, uh, you know, 
pulling their hair or laughing at them? Is there something else you could do? Uh, yeah. So it, it's I, you're right. There is this sort of right and wrong dichotomy that doesn't really make sense yeah. when you're really yeah. thinking about kids. But I think it comforts adults. And yeah. so I, I think that's why we keep going back to it. But everything is different with children. You know, they don't have the self-awareness that we have. They don't have the resources we have to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, they don't have the life experience to know, hey, if I'm upset, I should go talk with my friend and I'll feel better. They don't have these things yet. And that's why they need our support and our Absolutely. help. Let me ask you one quick question before we wrap things up here. Um, Tell me about what your perspective is in regards to the polarization in this country and where that falls on the scale of bullying, if it even falls on the scale. Well, that, that's actually a great question, uh, and I'm not totally sure how to answer it. That's okay. Um, I think that when, when people start to look at other people and see them in only one way. So if, I, if we looked at somebody else and we said, you know, I, I don't care what your values are like. I don't care how you live your life. I don't care what job you do. I don't care if you volunteer in your spare time. You know, I don't care if you're a wonderful parent or a good partner. Uh, all I care about is who you voted for. That's a problem. That's a real problem. And it absolutely encourages us to you know, to look at people as sort of things and not as people. I think that historically, when you look at societies that tend to boil everybody down to one characteristic or another, things don't end well. Having yeah. said that, having said that, I think Americans have polarized in the past and come back from it. So I'm sort of optimistic that this is a phase we're going through. And, you know, that we're going to learn from it. And, uh, you know, we're hopefully not going to get too deep. But, I mean, there are people who are already suffering because yeah. of this polarization. And it's very, very real. And it's not something any of us are going to look back on with pride. I can tell no, you that. Not at all. Well, I uh, concur with your uh, diagnosis, as it were. And I am optimistic as well. And uh, I certainly hope that we can do that. Elizabeth Englander, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And when we are allowed to move about uh, this country, this great land of ours, mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to have you come to Santa Barbara to uh, continue this conversation in person in studio. I, I just I just believe that there's more to talk about, and I'm sure that there's going to be more research that will have been done by then uh, to help us to better understand this whole dynamic uh, to maybe someday, <clears throat> if if polarization is a fad. <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe bullying can be a fad as well. Yeah, and I hope so, so too. I hope maybe we can, we can do that. And, Thank uh, you. I'd love to. You bet. I have three final questions for you yep. uh, before we let you go, but I want to remind our listeners, this is Tell Me Your Story. We do have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, and a bunch of other places. We are also on Monday, uh, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. on this fine station, streaming live at those times. And you can go to englanderelizabeth.com to find out more, to get a copy of the book, 
and we of or books for that matter. She's got lots of other free stuff for parents as well as uh, the uh, the administrators and schools and so forth. And uh, so please avail yourselves of it. We're not going to solve the problem today, but at least we're talking about it. We're finding ways to at least uh, I don't know manage it or at least uh, address it. And and who knows? We'll see what happens down the road. The first of my three questions, and again, I thank you so much for uh, giving us so much time here on the program. Sure. Who is Elizabeth Englander? Well, gosh, <laughs> you've sure put me on the on the uh, spot. Uh, I'm a thinker. I'm somebody who loves children, and I've spent my entire life thinking about how to help them. That's well, who I am. All right. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want every child to be healthy and well. Finally, what is your life's purpose? I think my life's purpose is to help families and children and to help us all adapt to the new realities of parenting. I know they're very challenging, but I really do think there are answers. Well, Elizabeth, thank you again for joining us. Dr. Elizabeth Englander and the um, the Aggression Reduction Center there south of Massachusetts, Boston, in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. We thank you again for joining us. And we thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to all.